this morning. Go ahead and get your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We'll start in there and we'll go a little bit further. But it is good to see everybody here. Uh, good to see a lot of uh, people who I uh, haven't seen in a while. Uh, COVID's kept you out and uh, now you're, you're back. Uh, maybe it's just for the service. Hope to change that by the end of the service. Uh, it's good to see some good friends here who came to celebrate with us. And uh, I, I don't have uh, a lot of time. Uh, it's 11.58 and 41, 42, 43 seconds. And uh, the chicken's on the way. And uh, it'll be ready and set up by 12.15. So I don't have a lot of time. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to jump right in. This, this message, of course, it's our, it's our, our four-year anniversary message. And typically when we have our, our anniversaries, I like to kind of do a, a look back over the past year and see what we have accomplished and what was done and then look forward to the next year and okay we've done this now we're going to do that but can we all agree that the last year and a half has kind of stunk it's been terrible uh everywhere uh so when i look back over the last year and a half i'm like well i don't know really what to say we started church again that's good uh not everybody did that so we're okay there and so i really have had i've had three weeks to prepare this message. Uh, two weeks ago, of course, John preached on Philemon. And then last week we had Brother Daniel here. And so for three weeks, I've been reading my Bible. I've been listening to other messages. I've been praying. I've been saying, God, what do you want me to, what do you want me to say? And I've been trying to come up with, you know, different things to say and different visions to give and different things to do. And God just, he was quiet. You ever have God be quiet on you? It's not fun, especially when you got to come up with a message. And so this week, God finally, he spoke to my heart and he kind of gave me what he wanted to say. And he's, he's uh, I do want to thank Potter's Will because he kind of changed it while they were singing. So appreciate that. Uh, hate when God does that. When God says, oh, you know that message you worked so hard on? Yeah, do something else. Uh, but so it just kind of gave me a little tweak there. But I want to look at 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Of course, the first letter was the book of 1 Corinthians, and we saw that a couple weeks ago, where he wrote this letter to the church at Corinth to correct a lot of issues. They had a lot of uh, division, a lot of pride, a lot of sexual sin, a lot of just all kinds of problems in the church. So he writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to correct these issues. The church receives it, and they read it, and not everybody accepts what Paul has said. A lot of them kind of reject Paul's teaching, reject the authority of Paul. So Paul goes to visit the church at Corinth, not knowing any of this, to see how things are going. And he has this visit with him, and it's not a good visit. In fact, in chapter, uh, chapter 2, Paul mentions this visit. He said it is a time of sorrow. He says this was a painful visit for him. So he has this visit, he leaves, he writes the second letter to the church at Corinth, which we don't have in our Bible, and kind of reminding them about what God's brought them from. And so reading the second letter, most of the people in the church, they, they understand their fault, they repent, and they really want to reestablish a relationship with Paul. So Paul writes his third letter to the church at Corinth, which is the book of 2 Corinthians, to kind of remind them that he, he's, he loves them, and he's for them, and he's, he's excited about what God's going to do in their life, and really kind of to reassure them of his commitment to them. Now in chapter 8, Paul begins to address the issue of generosity. 
Believers in Jerusalem had been suffering for a long time uh, under the Roman and the Jewish rule in Jerusalem. They'd, they'd suffered uh, incredibly financially. A lot of them lost their houses, lost their jobs, suffered punishment. So they were suffering incredibly. And so Paul had gone to a lot of his churches or written to a lot of the churches he had, he had started and kind of gotten this relief effort going to get some money together to send to the church at Jerusalem. And not just money, but, you know, goods and all kinds of things they could use to send to the church at Jerusalem to kind of help relieve the, the pain that they were suffering. And the church at Corinth had pledged to give, but because of all the mess they were dealing with, because of all the, the turmoil, because of all the kind of the conflict between them and Paul, they, they had neglected to do it. So look what Paul says, starting in chapter 8, look at verse number 10. <clears throat> the Bible says, And herein I give my advice to, for uh, I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it that is there uh, was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. So, Paul right here, he, he's talking about that offering. He's saying, look, you, you, you made a pledge. You, you said you were going to help out these believers in Jerusalem. You, you said you were going to take up some money. You were going to get together some clothes, some canned goods, some whatever you were going to do. You pledged to help out these people, and you've not done it. And so it's time for you to, to get back to what you had pledged to do, to follow through on what you had promised. Now, before you shut me down, Paul is talking about money. But that's not the main issue. That's not really his point. His point isn't you stopped giving money. His point isn't you stopped giving when you had been or you didn't give when you pledged you, had get, you would. What Paul is saying here is their generosity in the area of their, their offering, their, their gift. It showed how they hadn't grown in their relationship with God. He's saying because you neglected to follow through with what you pledged to the Lord, not to me, not to the church at Jerusalem, you pledged it to God. And because you failed to follow through on what you pledged to the Lord, it shows me and it shows God you've not grown in your walk with him. You're not growing in your relationship with him. Now look, turn over to chapter 9, verse number 8. <clears throat> Paul says here again, he's talking, he's encouraging him now to, to give. Uh, start verse 6, but I say, I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully, every man according to his purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves that you'll forgive her. Then verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, Again, yes, Paul mentions money here, but he's not talking about money here. And they, I'm going to talk about money, but not all I'm going to talk about. Don't freak out. Don't shut me down. I've only got 10 more minutes. I'll blow through the money thing real fast, I promise, all right? So Paul is talking about generosity. And not just with your money, not just with your wallet. Generosity with every area of your life. He says God has blessed you with, with everything you have, with, yes, your money, also your job, your health, your family, 
your possessions, your relationships, your time that you have every single day. God has given it to you, but not for you to be selfish with. God wants you to use what he has blessed you with to build his kingdom and bless other people. And Paul says, when you do that, when you are generous with what God has given you, God gives you more grace. God gives you more of what you're giving to him or giving to others. Now, again, it goes deeper than money. God wants generosity in every area of your life. The time you dedicate to him, the service you give to his church, the talent you use for his kingdom. And all of it is a gift from him. And he wants to, to, to use it for his glory. And he promises to multiply what we give to him. Now look at verse number 10 in chapter 9. As it is written... He has dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, but be uh, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, with, which causes through the, uh, the, us thanksgiving to God. So here's what Paul's saying here. And again, normally I would take you through the Greek and the custom and what he's, I ain't got time. Here's what Paul's saying, all right? Paul is telling us that God promises to increase every area of our life that we give generously to his kingdom. Yes, that means financially, but I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, if you, if you give a seed, a, a seed faith of $100 to me today, then God will bless you with $1,000 next week. We can try that. I mean, y'all can all give me a hundred bucks today and we'll see what it, what it, I mean, I'll increase, amen. I, I'm for that. That's a good idea. Let's try it. I'm not saying, you know, oh, if you sow a seed faith and God will bless you financially and all those things. Now, God does multiply what you give to him out of generosity. And it does happen that sometimes when you give financially, God blesses you financially. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with the substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. But that is not a promise of prosperity. That's a promise of provision. God says, you give faithfully to my kingdom, I'll take care of yours. Now, he may give you a thousand, a couple thousand dollars on a bonus. He may give you a, a six-figure income. He may give you whatever. But here's the thing. God blesses you with what you're able to handle and still love and honor and give to him. That's why I'm not rich. All right? I'm going to tell you. So you're going to be a rich, rich preacher? No, because I couldn't handle it. You know, people, oh, well, you know, I read several years ago, and I'm going to take a minute to tell a story. Several years ago, there was a, I think it was, it was um, maybe eight, nine years ago, there was the, uh, the lottery had gotten up to several, like a couple hundred million. And it had gotten so big, I mean, everybody was buying lottery tickets. I had, you know, Christian friends who were like, pray for my lottery tickets and whatever. I don't pop, buy lottery tickets but I'll take one if you give it to me. And we were, we were doing, and Food Line was doing a thing where if you used your MVP card, they'd give you a lottery ticket. So we went to Food Line, not knowing this, you know, bought our groceries. They gave us a couple lottery tickets. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't buy these. Oh, no, no, it's an MVP program. You get these free lottery tickets and pick the numbers for you. So I took those lottery tickets. I prayed over those lottery tickets. I'm, you're like, you're, no, I said, God, 
I don't even need it. You can have all of it. I'll give every dime to you. The church is going to give me a heck of a bonus. Buy me a new house and a new car. I'll give it all to you. I'll start churches all over the world. Why didn't I win? Because God knows I wouldn't have done that. I'd have taken that money and I'd have gone to the beach somewhere and you would have never seen me again. So God, but God does bless us when we give generously to him. But God's promise isn't, hey, you give to me, you give 10 bucks to me and I'll give 100 bucks to you. God's promise is, if you are generous with what I've blessed you with, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. You're not gonna go hungry. You're not gonna be out of, I will take care of you if you take care of me. So here, now that's not the only reason to give. The only reason we give generously of all this stuff isn't just so God will take care of us. God promises to bless us. In this verse, he says, I will bless you in every area. When we give generously, God gives us greater contentment with what we have. You know what the key to a joyful life is? It isn't having everything you want. It's wanting everything you have. It's looking at what you got and say, you know what? My car may be 20 years old. I may have to jumpstart it every couple days. I may have to do all this other stuff. I may have to work. You know, my house may be not as nice as somebody else's house. And I may not have as nice as clothes as someone else. I may not have the nicest stuff as someone else. But you know what? I've got enough. God's given me enough. I'm fed, I'm clothed, I'm sheltered. Because look, we all have more than we need. How many of y'all are wearing the only pair of clothes you have in your house? No. But we, you, know, you know how many clothes you need? One set, maybe two for laundry day. We don't need closets. Look, how many of y'all, and April better put her hand up, have clothes in your closet you haven't worn in forever because one day you're going to get back into them? I do. You need those clothes? No. But I got to have them. I got to keep them. We have more food than we need. Look, we in America, we throw out more food, throw it away, than most countries produce in a year. We just waste it. But, but we don't got And it irritates me when my kids, Dad, I'm hungry and we ain't got nothing to eat. Oh, we, I've been in a house where we ain't got nothing to eat. We got plenty to eat. You may not want what we got, but we got it. So shut up and eat your bologna sandwich and be fine with it. <laughs> but see, giving, God creates contentment when we're generous. When we're generous, we realize, you know what? I I've got all I need. I may not have all I want. I may want a better car. I may want a better house. I may want a better, better job. I may want whatever I want, but I've got what I need. And that's enough. When we give... He gives us increased love for the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis said that wealth knits our heart to the world. Giving is the way that God creates greater love for us in our hearts for his kingdom. Jesus even said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And again, yeah, money is applicable, but also where do you give your time? Where do you put your, your devotion to? That's where your heart is. Giving is the way that God creates greater, greater love for his kingdom. Through giving, God gives us a more loving heart. You know, stinginess shrinks your heart. Giving opens your heart. Stinginess breeds isolation. I've got to keep it all for myself. It's, I've got to look out for number one. I'll take care of me and everybody else can take care of them. 
That's, that's not what God wants us to live with. God bless you with everything you have, your money, your health, your time, your talent, your possibilities to use for his kingdom, not yours. Now, this past year and a half have been hard for the world. Let's just be honest. We live in a, a different world today than we did last October. Whether October, way before, October 2019 is drastically different than the world we live in right now in October 2021. The world has changed and probably changed forever. Now, some of it has changed for the better. I, for one, I know some of the other, rest of you are also thankful we don't do fellowship time where we shake hands. Some of y'all like that. I like that. We're going to keep that. Amen. Amen. I know you know who I'm talking about. You love it and I love it too. So we're not going to shake hands anymore. Some of us are the better. Some of us are the worse. The church, and again, when I say church, I'm not talking about just new grace, but the church has been impacted by COVID as well. Church attendance in the U.S. is at an all-time low. For the first time in our nation's history, less than 50% of American adults attend a church service in person. For the first time ever, less than half of American adults are actually going to a church. During the COVID shutdown, most churches, we did too, they began to use live streaming to get the word out. And man, it was great. It increased the word. We got the gospel out. We've got people that right now, they're, they're watching, right? We got a lady in India right now who's watching our church service because we started live streaming. Thank you for watching. I appreciate her being faithful to the, when, and when, look, when she doesn't watch because her internet's down, she sends me a message. Sorry, pastor, I missed church yesterday. My internet was down. What's your excuse? But good night. I know it's 1215, but I'm going to keep going. Y'all be quiet. So, so I mean, we, we, I know it, it was a blessing. It was a great way to get the word out. But you know what? We started to use it as a crutch. We started to use it as a way to not go to church. We got comfortable watching church in our pajamas, on our couch, or on our phone. We got comfortable saying, well, if I miss the 11 o'clock service, I can just watch it. Later on, I'll just catch the podcast. And how many of us honestly do? We got comfortable not going. Church attendance wasn't necessary anymore, so people thought. But the word of God doesn't change. See, God still tells us not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I can go in the Greek and say that don't mean on live stream. But I'm not. I'm just going to tell you that don't mean on live stream. It's good when we need it. But look, we don't need it. Well, COVID's still going rampant. Y'all watch college football lately. They pack the stadiums, but COVID's still a big issue. Come on, if they'll pack Lane Stadium, I won't say anything. If they'll pack Lane Stadium, I'm going to be good, I promised. Then we can, we can get more people in the church. You can be faithful to go to church. You can go everywhere. So, but not only that, but giving is down. Nationwide... Churches have lost 25% of their giving. Discipleship is down. The kingdom of God on earth is not doing what it was supposed to do. So as we look to the future of our church, I want to give a couple areas that I want us to increase our giving in to grow our church. Now look, as I prepared this, I was, again, I was, God showed me what you want me to give. This is what God spoke to my heart about. So I'm telling you what God told me. He said, Sean... This is where you need to increase. Say, so what about me? Well, I'm just, you too, all right? All of us. 
These are just areas. Now, first one, we're going to get it out of the way because I know you're all upset about it. Number one, giving of our treasures. It makes me uncomfortable to talk about money, but the simple truth is the church needs financial support to achieve its mission. You know, yeah, New Grace is extremely blessed because of grace, because this property is, is debt-free, and we don't have to worry about that. But you know what we do got to worry about? Keeping the lights on, keeping the water running, paying our missionaries, paying me. That's, that's the least of my worries. I'll get a job, but all this other stuff is necessary. We got stuff to do. We got bills to pay. And it's not just I want to pay the bills. I want to get the gospel out. I want to use this property to expand our scope of the gospel in our area. You know, preacher always say, God doesn't need your money. And that's true. God doesn't need your money. But his church does. And I understand the last year and a half, economic insecurity, a lot of you have lost your jobs. Or you, you got downsized. And inflation, when bacon is almost $4 a pound, I don't care about gas. Don't mess with my bacon. But I know, inflation is crazy. Your dollar doesn't do what it did two years ago. I understand. I've struggled with this. I've struggled not being as generous as I used to be or want to be over the last couple of years because I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And so economic insecurity has kind of made us not give like we should. We all get scared. But the fact is, New Grace, right now, if giving stays as it is, I'm not a doomsayer, New Grace will survive. We'll be fine. We'll keep the lights on. I'll even continue to get a paycheck. But we're not going to thrive. We're not going to grow. We're not going to get the gospel out. And look, if all we're doing is surviving, just shut her down. If all we're doing is, well, we just want to have a nice building to come to one Sunday, every Sunday, and, you know, have, a, have the preacher talk to us and tell somebody, if that's all we want to do, well, you know what, then, then I'm leaving. Honestly, if that's all we, if you're like, well, that's all we want to do, I'm resigning, I'll find somebody that wants to grow, y'all can find somebody that just wants to sit back and preach. And if I ever get to the point where I'm like, let's just get comfortable and not, y'all need to fire me. If we're just here for a paycheck and a comfortable Sunday, we need to go, we need to quit. We need to stop. So we need to be more generous in our financial giving. To do that, we are all, myself included, going to have to decide to be generous with our treasure and trust God to take care of it. Second thing, giving of our time. I'm five minutes over. I'll be done real soon, I promise. Giving of our time. This starts with our personal time with God. Your Bible study and your prayer time. They are vitally important in your growth with God. Look, we've been going through the Bible this whole year. At the, in January, I gave all of you three Bible reading plans. You didn't have to do all three. You could read the Old Testament through in a year. You could read the whole Bible through in a year. Or you could follow along with the whole Bible story that we're going through. You could have read any three. You could have picked and said, but I'm going to take five minutes and read my Bible every single day. I don't know about the, the whole Bible story because that's not online, but I know that 95% of you who started your version online with us have stopped. We just stopped reading the Bible. Oh, I'm reading something else. Fine, great. I'm not trying to say if you're not reading our version, but here's the thing. It just shows me a heart that we just kind of get complacent and say, I don't, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. 
I don't need to pray. And here's one thing, and this is what God really spoke to me about. We are, we've really probably slacked up in our prayer time. I know I have, especially our corporate prayer time. How many of y'all this week prayed for this church service? All right, I got the singers and a couple good ones. How many rest? I mean, really. How many of y'all said, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to pray for God to bless this church service, for God to bless this church. We've got to spend personal time with God. We have to give our time to worship God as a church family. Again, Facebook was great when we needed it. You don't need it anymore. It's become a crutch. Yeah, if you are homesick or you're, you're suffering a disease or whatever you're going through or something, and you honestly, or if you're on vacation, I don't begrudge people vacations, and you honestly cannot be here in person, then watching online is fine. But if you're in town and you wake up and say, I think I got a hangnail, I think I'll just watch online today. You're abusing Facebook Live. And I've thought about shutting it down, but I got people in India that are faithful to listen, and I want them to get it too. Watching on your phone isn't the same as sitting in a pew, singing along, praying, and following along with the message. So those of you that have missed a majority of the year last year, but you're here today for a special day, great. New slate, fresh start. Next Sunday is a big day too. Say, what's next Sunday? It's Sunday. It's where we worship God. Yeah, it's Halloween. I'll wear a costume if it'll get you here. But it's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. It's the day we say, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to see my fellow church members. I'm going to worship with them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to praise with them. I'm going to get involved with them. And I'm going to do something with them. Stop watching on Facebook and get to church. All right? So those that are still watching on Facebook, that are, except for you, Rob, I know that's not her name, but that's what I call her. You can still watch because you're in India. But those of you that are local and still watching on Facebook, it's time to stop. It's time to get back to in person. Those that come to Sunday mornings, it's time to make growth group a priority. Sunday night growth group, Wednesday night growth group. The, bring your kids for Awana or for teen group. We need to grow as a church and we do that by giving our time to God. Third thing, giving of our talent. God has given you abilities to serve him and his church. And we, in this church, we have multiple opportunities to serve. We need help with Awana, with the sound room, with cleaning, with upkeep of the property. But that, it goes deeper than that. Ten years ago, April and I started New Horizon Baptist Church. Some of you were in that first church service 10 years ago, and you're still here, which is confusing to me. But weeks before we started the church, I went out and I knocked 500 doors a week. Knocking on doors, talking to people. I remember talking to May and Nellie, because I remember their hill was almost giving me a heart attack. But I walked up and I knocked on the door and I spent time with him. I talked with him. I wrote, I still have the notebook. I wrote their name and address down. It was May and Nellie uh, Truman, which is not their name, but it's, it was close. And I prayed over them and I wrote them cards and I looked forward to seeing them again. And I, I, went, I knocked 500 doors a day. I, it was exhausting. After the church started, I, start, I still tried to knock 100 to 300 doors a week while making visits and getting involved and still studying for a message. And look, I'm the first to admit, I have let that fall from my service. I can't do that now. Just, I, I do not have time now to give to 
one to 300 doors a week. I just can't. And plus, honestly, in a post-COVID world, I don't know if it'll work. If, I, if you knock on my door, I ain't opening to you. Some of you were like that before COVID. But if I knock, you knock on my door and like, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus, I'm standing on the other door going, get away from my house. So I don't know if, I don't know if that'll even work anymore, but I've, I've let that slip. I've let visiting you, our church people slip. Why? Because of COVID. People don't want me in their house. It's kind of, you know what? COVID's over. It's done. I know it's not all, I know, but let's say it's done. I've been vaccinated, you've been vaccinated. We can, we, can, we can meet and I'll come to your house. So I've let that slip. And I'm the first, God says, look, you got to get back to doing that. And look, I, I'm in first admit, I've got to get back to visiting y'all in your home, calling you, being more faithful to be part of your life, but also going out and just inviting people. And I'm not saying I expect you to go spend one to three hours a day or a week knocking doors, inviting people. Here's what I'm telling you. Invite your friends and neighbors. Studies have shown nine out of 10 people will come to church with a personal invitation more than they will a Facebook or Instagram invitation or something hung on their door. But if someone, if they know you and you say, hey, why don't you come to our church? Our pastor's an idiot. And uh, man, you can just watch him be stupid. It's so funny. We have a great time. But personal invitations. We have to get back to growing the church. Get back to inviting. Get back to giving. Get back to serving. As I prepared this message, I struggled because, again, I always try to give an upcoming a vision. But the truth is, as I prepared, I realized we don't need a new vision. Two years ago, because last year was, again, not very good. So two years ago, 2019, I gave a vision for the church that we were going to love God, love others, and serve others. That vision doesn't need to change. We just need to start doing it. We need to be reignited with that vision. Love God by giving our time and spending time with him and worshiping him as a church family. Love others by giving of our treasure to get the gospel out and build the work of God. And we serve others by serving in the church and inviting people to come experience God with us. We don't need a new vision. We need to catch the old one again. That's my goal. That's my hope for the next year. Let's pray. Have a